You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined this afternoon by John Townley. And we're going to do a Q&A for today's midweek podcast episode. We're throwing it back to something that long-time viewers will remember with the random mug of questions. Woo! <laughs> In the hurry of writing these down on bits of paper for this silly format. I didn't write down who they're from. So, John, as we're going to go through, I'll say, oh, this one's from so-and-so, and you'll give me a random name just to give some maybe comedy value. The funnier the name you can think of, the better, I guess. Before we get into those, though, these are literally overflowing in this mug. John, how are you? How's things? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right, mate. It's uh, midweek, nearly. And, uh, yeah, Villa obviously playing at the weekend on a big bounce, and we're in sixth. I still can't stop looking at the, um, the league table. You go on the BBC Sport website or on Sky or whatever, and it's just sick. It looks it's nice sick. not to have to scroll down, isn't it? Um, it's nice not to be in the bottom half, let alone scroll down and yeah, to be sick. It's just, yeah, it's still uh, still blowing my mind a little bit. I'm sure we'll come back down to reality in the coming weeks. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing fine, mate. Uh, how are you? I've seen you've been well. You've been posting our group chats anyway. Have you running around and stuff? The marathon is it half marathon coming up in next few weeks? Well, <laughs> it was supposed to be the half marathon. Um, me, Ash. Originally, you were in the group chat that you were going to be doing it as well. So before you come to, come for me, you backed out as well. It's going to be you, me, John, and Ash doing it. A half marathon, a great Birmingham run at the start of May. Now, when I signed up to this, I knew I was going to have a baby, but I thought, you know what, I'll still have time to be able to go out and, and do a bit of training. I haven't. <laughs> I've not had the time. Work's been super busy as well. And I've had some problems with my knee when I'm running and my ankle feels like it's about to fall off after everyone. So all my excuses are in. I could have dropped out, but I haven't. I've dropped down to the 10K. So I'm doing the 10K on the day now instead of the half marathon, which is 21K. So I'm, I've half the distance. I've done the 10K plenty of times. So I, I feel more comfortable. That I, I know I can do that. Ash and Pat, formerly Pat of Can't Move Podcast, they're still doing the half marathon. And they messaged this morning going, oh, I've just done a 17K run. And I was like, so we're doing that in aid of the AVFC Foundation and Acorn. There's a donation link that I'll pop in the comments of this podcast. I appreciate times are tough, but if you can donate price of a half-time pie or above or a couple of quid um, for those charities, that would be greatly appreciated. We are doing this on Facebook Live for this afternoon as a kind of Facebook exclusive show, I guess, but I'm trimming down the highlights for YouTube. I've got this random mug, though, of questions. I said they're literally bursting out, so we should probably start waffling it and get into them. I'm going to pull them out at random. John, who's the first one off? <laughs> uh, it's from Jasper. <laughs> Jasper, I didn't expect that. Not even a question for the first one. Uh, not a question. I hope you asked Alan Hutton about his goal against Blues. I wasn't there for the recording. We actually had Jacob, a friend of the show, doing it on a kind of freelance basis. Matt and Ash went to go and speak to Alan Hutton last week for the podcast. Now there's been a trailer that is on the YouTube channel, which you can see now as well. We did ask him about Blues so much so to the point that Matt's reread the commentary that Mark Regan said about his halfway to Mosley and all that. So there'll be. I think there's an hour and a half podcast coming this week, day, not quite sure just yet, but the Birmingham City goal bit is going to be pulled out as a separate clip as well. So there's been the trailer on Monday. The main video will be some point this week. Probably next week will be Alan Hutton reveals what it was like to score against Blues as a clip. And we also did like a quick fire questions round as well, which will be again some point in the future. So loads of Alan Hutton coming at you and great value. You've seen some of the the footage and it's he's good isn't it but i've obviously spoken to ash and um he's already told me a couple of the stories that he was talking about which sound very funny uh yeah really good sort of get for our podcast as well because mm-hmm. i think i mean i didn't expect Hutton to be from what i've seen anyway i didn't expect him to be so open and sort of um 
I don't know quite the, what, what the right word is, but I, I expect him to be open, but he was very sort of jovial and sort of laughing and joking about it, almost as if I was expecting him to be uh, in the mindset of still being a player, so not sort mm. of as open about everything and other people, I suppose you could say. Uh, and as they say, some of the stories, because um, he was at Villa since, what, 2011? So, yeah. and therefore nearly a decade. So, and he saw a lot in that time, obviously, going down, uh, getting promoted as well and obviously left as we got back to the Premier League so um, yeah some loads of really good stories and stuff that obviously is sort of behind the curtain so stuff that we wouldn't have been aware of and that obviously fans won't have seen either so um, yeah looking forward to it Next question who's this from John? (laughs) I'm going to run out of names Uh, this is from Brian After Ollie Watkins who would you give a new contract to? Um, I'm, I'm going to look at who's where the contract situations are I do know a couple of them I mean obviously Ashley Young comes mm. to mind show because he's out of contract in the summer. The only player in 2024, the summer of 2024, is Birchin Traore. Most mm. of our players are tied down quite well, I suppose you could say. Mm. Um, and then after then, it's John McGinn and Ollie Watkins in 2025 as the main two. Ashley Young's is the obvious one, I suppose, but that's kind of too obvious. So I'd say McGinn, although he has signed a new contract relatively, was it last year or the, maybe the year before then? Probably um, before, I would say. Again, if you're looking at sort of when they're expiring, then John McGinn would be the one because most of them have got quite a few years left. You'd probably say McGinn. Obviously, you've got Young there, which is probably, I don't know if that's a question in the. That's the, uh, that's the logical answer, isn't it? I guess. Ashley Young's a logical one. And that's an interesting one anyway because Gerard was, was very keen for him signing a new deal um, because he was a leader in the group and he'd worked with him previously with England. And yeah, whereas Emery has sort of inherited him and. Although he's played very well, Ashley Young, you don't know where sort of um, what his target's going to be in the summer, I suppose. I, I think we'll probably go after a right back. Obviously, you've got Cash and Young. I don't think you could split them too much at the moment, if I'm being perfectly honest. There's two questions in the Facebook comments here that have real names that we don't have to make up from Joseph and Jamie, who basically say the same thing. How many points do you think we'll get from the remaining games? We've got some hard games, said Joseph. With a picture of a newborn there, so congratulations, Joseph and Jamie. Uh, same vein. Hi, guys. Where do you think we can finish and how many points do you think we'll finish on? Now, I kind of go back to my prediction made halfway through the season, 19 games. We had 25 points. I said Emery will at least get 25 points in the second half of the season and finish on 50. We're on 47 now, are we, I think? Yeah, 47. So, Obviously, we're gonna we're gonna smash through the fifty point mark um, with eight games to go. I would like us to now kind of rejig my target of fifty and aim for sixty. So that's thirteen points, eight games. Which, given memories on a two points per game, more than two points per game record, in theory we could get sixteen points from eighteen, which would put us on sixty three. I don't know. <laughs> the maths is I should know that terrible. Um, where that ends up in the season in in the final league table, I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah. Top seven would be great. Top eight, I think, is probably more realistic, I guess. But it depends what the fixtures come and who we take those points off. As we stand at the moment, you look at it and you think, well, who are the teams that can finish above us? You know, realistically, I mean, I mean there's obviously more than two, which is Liverpool and Brighton, the, the sort of main two that I'm thinking of. But I'd, I'd like to think if we could finish above Chelsea and Fulham. I think it's between Liverpool and Brighton. And, and us, sorry, for European football. And I know Brentford are there. Again, we do play them in a couple of weeks. And if we lose to them, then we're, we might be below them. But yeah, we'll have top 10. I'm sure of that. I think Fulham will drop out. We play them at home as well. If we beat them, then there you go. We've probably sealed it at that point. Um, in terms of the games that you kind of tick off as, say, not must wins, but games that are more likely to win than others. Fulham at home, Wolves away will be tough. But, you know, Wolves are a team that's scrapping for relegation. Um 
and then you've got Tottenham and Brighton at home in the last two home games. So there's winnable games there. And then you obviously got Brentford away too. Difficult. I think Newcastle and Brentford are two very hard games. So another Russell. Maybe this one's from Russell. Another <laughs> Russell through the mug. Who's it from, John? Russell. We have to say Russell. You already, you already <laughs> know him. <laughs> Something a little bit different. Who's your favourite player in the current squad? <laughs> I'm not prepared for this. Uh, who's yours? <laughs> I knew you were going to say who's yours to give you more time to think. I'd say Mings, I think. I've always been in the kind of Tara Mings fan club and, and beat his drum, even in the times where people are kind of slating him and want to get rid of him. I've always kind of backed his corner for, for various different reasons. And if you said, oh, I'm going to take you to the club shop now and buy you a shirt, who do you want on the back? I'd say, you know, I fancy a bit of Tara Mings. So... I mean, don't we all fancy a bit of Tara Mings? Um, so yeah, if I had to pick a favourite player, I'd go Mings. Is that giving you enough time to think of your own answer? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mings, Mings probably would have been mine as well, but I'm not going to just... Uh, yeah. I'd probably say Douglas Louise, actually. For more re- for more reasons than one, just being... And he's an excellent footballer f- for a start. Um, <clears throat> that's mainly it. <laughs> so, I mean, like, Ming, I would have picked Mings because of what he's achieved with the club what he means the fan base similar to John McGinn in a way I think they're very mm. you know you can kind of put them together and say those two um, you got other players like I mean, Martinez and Ollie Watkins for different reasons I don't think we'll have a player again like Martinez who is that good in his position or that sort of well he's worshipped in Argentina isn't he <laughs> like yeah. he's mates with Leo Messi and and then he comes out and says that yeah he wants to stay at Villa and it's all fine he doesn't want to leave or anything like that so that probably won't happen again, which we probably, you know, don't take for granted because we love that about him, but not many top players will do that when they play for Villa. Um, most of them will be angling for moves. But I'd say Louise just because I like the way he plays. I think he's a top player technically as well. I think he's, I, I like watching him. So I, I'd, I'd say I'd say Louise. Let's go to another a question that's got a real-life name. Steve Brown in the comments. Who would you keep and or sell of the players currently out on loan? Now, you might need to... Um... Have a, a tab open there with who is out on loan because there's it, quite a few. Aaron Ramsey, Robinham, Cameron Archer are the three that spring to mind immediately. And we probably need to do a kind of full podcast on this at the end of the season, I guess, kind of a keep or sell about the whole squad, not just the loanees. Um, but I'd like to think any of the kind of high profile loanees, like the three I've just mentioned, I'd like to think they might have a place in the first team next season, not necessarily starting games, but in the squad, certainly if we get into Europe because more games to play. Um, but yeah, how, how do you assess the, the low knees if you've got a list in front of you? It's difficult because I'm with you. I'd love Karen Archer to stay. I don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, I want him to stay around, but I can't see it because Emery's going to bring in another forward. We've already got Ollie Watkins and Emmy Buendia has proven that he can play up there as well in a different sort of, um, sorry, or as a different sort of profile to a number nine. Uh, Emery's going to bring in a forward. He's going to maybe bring in another winger as well. So uh, it leaves little room for Archer. I think if we get European football, maybe that will change it because we just do have more games. If you ask me now if he's going to stay or go, I think he'd probably go because there just isn't room for him in the team. And it sort of obviously recoup a bit of money for us too. Um, the other ones, Tim Rubin, I think he's probably got another loan in him. And he's started well at QPR and he's probably played well, but they've been on a rotten run, haven't they, in the mm-hmm. second half of the season. So certainly he would have learnt lessons from that but you almost want him to be playing in a better team. I wouldn't have thought that any of the loanees, maybe apart from Archer or Tim, stays around, to be honest. You look at, like, Sanson, obviously he'll go. Nakamba, Keenan Davis, Courtney House, uh, Jaden Philogene as well. Maybe that's another one, Philogene. With, he's done all right at Cardiff, I think, and he's clearly a good player. But again, does he fit into Emory's system? That we'll, we'll, um, we'll find out. But for those players, they need to be playing football now. They're getting on to their sort of... Um, 
you know, on to like 21, 22 at that point in your career, you need to kind of, you know, rack up your games, don't you? And whether that's in the AFL or wherever, um, rather than just keep going out on loan, because we've seen previously with other players that it's um, difficult to, to, you know, to come back from if you keep going out on loan, you, you, you're not settled in one place, are you? And then mm-hmm. elsewhere, like the 23s, Aaron Ramsey, as you say, similar situation to um, Jaden Philogene, I think, and Finnezaz as well, obviously playing for... Uh, in League One this season, doing well, um, same as Lamar Bogard. So, yeah, there's probably a couple more loans to go for some of them, but then others, it kind of gets to the point where a decision needs to be made on their future in terms of a permanent switch elsewhere or are they in Emery's plans? We'll see, I suppose, over the summer. Who's the next one from, John? Uh, Bruce. (laughs) Sorry. Bruce. (laughs) Bruce says, would you call Unai Emery an elite coach? (laughs) <laughs> I know everyone's probably saying yes straight away. It depends what you define as elite. Um, like it's that sort of um, like toss up when you say, "Oh, is he world class?" Like, is this player world class? But what do you say is world class? Is it mm. the best four players in this position? Or because people say world class when it's um, I don't know, like a, just a bog standard player is described as world class these days. If they yeah, score like a good goal, world class is the like you said the peak, the Ballon d'Or winners are world class. Like, yeah, so the, the term legend is overused, isn't it? So. Yeah. This one's more sort of straightforward because there's only so many coaches that can be classed as an elite coach. Again, is he on the same bracket as uh, Guardiola, Klopp? You know, those guys who are elite, because I don't know what the word is above elite. <laughs> um, they're the elite guys, I would have thought, and I don't think he's in that bracket. Is he in the next one? Yeah, he is. So mm. whatever is just under elite. Although I'd describe him as elite because it is elite for us, if that makes sense. But he's yeah. not. Like, he wouldn't be a villa, would he, if he was as good as the best managers in the world, like Guardiola, Klopp. Um, I mean, there isn't many, but that's why they are the best. But Emery's perfect for us. You know, we're perfect for him, he's perfect for us. So it's like a, it's that sort of debate of, uh, would Guardiola keep Burnley in the Premier League? Would Sean Dyche win the Premier League with Man City? It's like, well, some coaches are just going to benefit from different squads, different players, different aspirations. So, you know, some of the top managers need top players to play their way if that makes sense so yeah. although it says our oh, Guardiola's only ever had a good team and he's always had great players well that's because the way he plays he needs players who are the best in their position another question John who's this one from oh this is a bit of a cop up but we'll go with Tyrone Tyrone okay Tyrone. thank you for the question Tyrone and there's also a similar one in the comments so I could have just gone with that but I wanted to put you on the spot who should we sign in the summer and Sean says, who is your big target, lads? I don't really like these kind of questions, and we probably will do a podcast at some point about the top five targets that Villa should sign, because that's the kind of content we'll probably end up doing over the summer break. But I don't like kind of naming players and picking specifics. I saw one earlier about, like, if Leicester go down, let's go and pinch Madison and, and things like that. So let's kind of tweak it a little bit, unless you want to go for a name. What kind of positions do you think are more important, rather than giving me three or four physical names I think right back is a is an area that we could do that in uh, obviously forward positions as well because we're sort of shoehorning in Bailey or Wender mm. and it's um, obviously been linked as well with like players like Genduzi and other midfielders as well but you sort of wonder where do they fit in because Ramsey and McGinn sort of look now that they're irreplaceable but you, do you know what I mean I'm, so it's, it's, it's almost like if you add somebody into the, the mix at the moment are they going to kind of disrupt the Kind of rock the apple cart or whatever the, yeah, the phrase I, is. I think, I think in a way that's something that we, us as fans have probably got to overcome because I'm thinking, oh, but what if Jacob Ramsey's on the bench? Like, oh no, what if that happens? And it's like, well, yeah, you got to fight for your place, haven't you? You know, that, that's mm. what the top six clubs do. If you look at their benches, there's players on there you'd th- th- say, like, oh, how are they there? Like, I don't know, Richarlison, 60 million. 
Mm-hmm. That's because you need a better, a better squad to compete across all of the competitions. So yeah, I would say right back, a midfielder um, and a forward. Ultimately, we don't actually know what he wants. I think it's another thing of saying what, who, we, who we would want and where we want to improve. But Emery mm-hmm. sees the game <laughs> quite a lot differently to us, I think. Let's go for another question from the mug. Uh, this is for Raymond from Raymond. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, I didn't expect that for some reason. Uh, Raymond says, I should have I should have wrote the names, I should know. When I was writing these from YouTube and DMs and Instagram and wherever, if I had time to write them, I should have wrote the names down, otherwise we wouldn't have ended up with the names like Raymond. Oh, I've guessed all of the names. Bang on. Probably no disrespect to Raymond, by the way, if they did send this in. Does Leon Bailey have a future at Aston Villa? And this question has been asked a lot in recent videos on YouTube comments. There's one here. Uh, would you sell Bailey in the summer? Loads of questions about him. The post-match podcast that we did after Forest, I think we did like a whole five-minute, ten-minute segment specifically about Leon Bailey and the kind of resurgence of Traore and, and Leon Bailey kind of disappearing again through injury. Um, so I probably could just rinse and repeat everything we've already said there, to be honest. But yeah. What are your kind of overarching thoughts on on Bailey and his Villa future? It's difficult because he's clearly lacking confidence and he is out of form. There's a few things to it, though. Obviously, does he fit in Emery's system? I'm not saying yes or no yet because I don't think he's had long enough. I know he's had a a long run in the team, but for some players, it just does take longer to adapt to a system that or instructions that Emery's trying to give him. Um, Mm. Just like players develop differently, he's probably one of or if not maybe one of the only or one of a few should we say that have not taken to it yet really that he does some things well under Emery but ultimately you know when he's in the side he doesn't produce and that's the main thing it's not just goals and assists but it's it's what you see with your eyes isn't it it's um his link up play isn't quite there it seems to be sort of one trick pony at the moment although when he did get the sort of one you know moment I suppose against um, Morris. um he pulls his hamstring doesn't he when he goes down the line and he shows his pace so just at the sort of time where he was starting to sort of believe in his body again find confidence in himself was at the start of the season and I do think he was getting somewhere over the last five or six weeks you just haven't seen it and again I do think there's a player in there his last Bundesliga season was very good got a lot of goal contributions and he clearly impacted there sorry by Leverkusen's push for Champions League I think this isn't a player that's um not good enough to be in the Premier League. I, I don't believe that at all. I know some of the fans have said that and you do need a squad. I've, you know, if you take him out of your squad, <clears throat> then you've got to replace him with, you know, maybe it's Traore, but then you've still got to buy someone else as well. So it's all, it's difficult. Maybe Traore doesn't help him really because they're very similar. It's difficult. I think in the summer, it depends on what he wants to do more so than anything else. We'll be happy to keep him because we need squad depth and Emery's clearly used him a lot. And if he wasn't going to use him in his plans, I suppose, he wouldn't be playing because... We've seen that with like a, a Donka, for example. There's been plenty of times where he could be playing instead of, I know he's had a bit of an injury, but in recent games, he could be playing instead of McGinn and he hasn't chose to use him. Other players as well could have been playing ahead of other, uh, other members of the squad, but Bailey's almost always there. So, yeah, it's difficult. I think in the summer, it's down to him what he wants to do because I think we'll be okay to keep him. Mm, I'm not. I'm not convinced. I've said what I said on the on the Forest podcast, and I don't want to repeat myself too much. I just think if we get a decent offer for him, I think it's worth worth cashing in. But I'm not even fully convinced someone comes in with a decent offer because he's had his injury problems. He's not hit the the Premier League, uh, not kind of lit the Premier League alight. Maybe he goes out on loan somewhere, gets gets his confidence back, and then comes back and, and plays a role at Villa possibly. But 
think if we sign a, a kind of forward number 10 winger striker position that's going to play up front with Watkins, Bailey's not going to get a run in the team. And if he can't keep himself fit and, and going to keep having this continuous kind of hamstring, G-string problem, <laughs> you can't rely on him. But I think that's my kind of most frustrating point with him. If you knew that when he was going to play, he was offering something, but he might get injured here and there, I'd think, oh, well, let's persist with it because he, he brings something to the team. The fact that he's not really bringing anything and you can't rely on him to keep him fit either. Somebody come in with 15 million. I think I'd probably say, yeah, all right, let's just take it and move on and forget it ever happened. We've, we've spoken about Bailey enough, so let's go for another question because there's plenty more in the in the random mug. And this one, John, is from... From Phil. Phil. Would it be too soon if Villa got into Europe this year? No, there isn't. So it, it's never a, a bad thing at all. Um, I said on a podcast a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> and it was a few hours after we beat Leicester, so maybe I was dizzy. Um I would prefer to go in the Conference League because it's like a a natural sort of progression. Our squad will benefit in terms of the players we recruit, etc., from being in the Conference League this season, next season. Sorry, I think I think it makes sense because um, we would then be in Europe twice consecutively. I, I, you would have thought. Whereas if we got Europa League this year, we might not then be in it next year because our league form, I think, would be ever so slightly disrupted by it. If we get Europa League, fine. I'm not complaining at all. Like, not even in the question to complain. I'm just literally talking about where are Villa going in the next two or three, four years. We could be in Europe every season if we just do it bit by bit. I think there's too many hypotheticals in that scenario. I think that that almost almost plays for the argument of it is too soon because it's it's too soon for this. So let's get into this, and then maybe this season we'll do this, and that oh, season we'll do well, that. It's too soon, but like just the, I just take a long time. I know your point, but who would also predict Emery would have done what he'd done this season? People might be like, oh, it's too soon for it to even get into top half. It's not because it, we had this amazing run of form. We could have this amazing run of form next season, and. Yeah, too many hypotheticals, I think. Yeah, it's, it's, no, you are right. I'm just laying out a long-term view that works in my head, but probably no one else's. Last question. Who do you want this to be? Oliver. Oliver. Thank Oliver. you, Oliver. He asks, any more details on Claret Blue Live? So that's the last one. Conveniently, I left that till like the end because I knew it'd be kind of housekeeping section. Claret Blue Live, I don't know whether the last time we spoke about it, but we said it was kind of in the works and we knew it was something that we wanted to do. We've been to a venue since then. I don't know whether we'd spoken about that last time. We can't kind of confirm who that venue is yet because they haven't confirmed to us that it's all happening. We've got a date in mind, which would be June the 1st. Again, that's not confirmed yet either. So don't turn up anywhere. <laughs> It'd be an evening. So kind of keep that date semi-free, but there's absolutely no confirmation as of recording this podcast that it's going to be at that venue or on that day that's kind of what we're aiming for um same kind of format as the first current blue live there'll be a 45 minute podcast recording for an end of season review we did a mid-season review for the first one because it was in the qatar world cup break and then we'll do a q a with the the audience that show much like this episode but we'll have physical people there asking physical questions um, rather than pieces of paper and made up names if you if you're free and you want to come and join us and, and join the fun of, at the end of season kind of party i guess to celebrate finishing seventh uh <laughs> then by all means keep that date free just in case uh, but yeah it'd be a, a joy to do it once again and, and something that we've been looking forward to for a long time thank you very much everyone for watching this q a uh, the alan hudson podcast is coming very soon literally tomorrow or the day after as you're watching this so keep an eye on the channel for that john thanks for your time and your opinions as always we've done a video every day in april so far and i think we might be able to do a video for every day throughout the rest of april to be honest there's still another what, four or five games in this month so loads of games loads to talk about so stay tuned Thank you very much for your support as always and uh, we'll see you again tomorrow.
Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. Up the villa.